10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And here we are again as we welcome you into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. A lot of stuff going on because preseason camp is finally here. The players have reported. Practice begins Wednesday morning for Butch Jones' team. Morning practices scheduled Wednesday through Monday of next week. And then the team media day will be coming up on Tuesday the 9th. And a big part of all the preseason stuff is Sunbelt Conference Media Day in New Orleans. Kind of gets things kicked off. And Brad and I were in New Orleans last week. We were on the air a whole bunch talking with coaches, student athletes. But we're going to have a full recap coming up here in the next few minutes of Sunbelt Media Day. Some other headlines, though, before we get into that. Mike Bellotto and the Ace Day men's basketball team is headed to the Dominican Republic here in the next few days. Mm-hmm. And we've known about this trip for a while, but this is a nine-day trip. They're leaving this Friday. They're going to host a basketball clinic for local kids on Saturday, and then they're going to play three games starting on Sunday. Yeah, we've known about it. Clear back to when the Dominican wasn't where they were going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think Coach Bellotto has yeah, it's told not enough big, yeah, people it's not a big the, secret. the plan was to go to Nicaragua. Yeah. And when everything went down with North Shadow Mirror leaving for Miami, that plan was scratched. So the Dominican was the new location. And what they're going to do, they're going to play those three games. They're going to play the Dominican national team, mm-hmm. the Dominican Republic select team and then the Dominican Republic under 22 team. So three games that they're going to be playing down there. And this is something, if you remember when coach Brady was here, he took the team on a trip to Canada. And what this allows is extra practice time. And we talk about it every year. Anytime we go to a bowl game, Hey, you get those extra practices in and that's key. But here's 10 practices that you're able to get in, 10 extra practices to get ready for this trip, and you're allowed this foreign trip, according to the NCAA, yeah. every four years. It's been more than four, been four years. Been 11 years since A-State has done this, but hey, this is a great opportunity for a team that has a whole lot of new pieces to it to get some work in together. Yeah, you know, every four years in theory, because if a program did it every four years, then everybody that went through that program would get to go on one in theory. But, you know, that's that's where the four years comes from. Again, it's been 11 for Arkansas State. You know, I talked to Coach Blotto for a while last week, and obviously what he had to do to retool the roster wasn't the plan, and this trip already was the plan, but it certainly worked out well. Maybe the, the biggest benefit now of this is that he's got a team with eight newcomers that gets to come in and do this and go on this trip and get the extra practices and play the games it's going to be very beneficial for this team also going to be a once in a lifetime probably trip to go to stay on an all-inclusive resort play three games do a, a youth clinic 
for the kids in the Dominican yeah. there, in the, in, and you know there are some fans going on that trip with them. They're paying for it out of you know either like six man club and, and and money generated from boots and ballers. So you know it's outside the budget. So it, it's it's a big deal. Um, I, I'm glad they're going and they're going to play. You know some pretty good competition because you know the Dominican national team is. I mean that's their national team. Team will go in competition wanting to play in the Olympics. The reserve the select team. Is basically it's kind of the same pool of players as the national team. The national team's going somewhere else to play in something right after they play a state, and the players that don't kind of make that travel roster, that's the select team. That's who they'll turn around and play. And then the under twenty two is going to be either guys that are already you know overseas playing as pros or guys that are playing college. So they're going to get some really good competition, a good competition level there, and imagine this to be a very beneficial trip. Just the team bonding aspect of it as well. I mean, you're getting a lot of time on the court, but there's a lot of downtime too where these guys can just kind of hang out. That's key. Again, you got out of 15 guys, eight of them are new. You know, another thing Coach Bellotto and I talked about, and I asked him, you know, how different was this July in recruiting? When you went out, could you notice there are fewer coaches out? And he said, absolutely. So, a matter of fact, he went out less. The first wave, the first half of July, he didn't go out. He said, I, he said where I could be the most beneficial was this with this basketball team. So he stayed home with his guys and doing that kind of stuff. The staff went out, but he did not. And then even, you know, when when he went out, he said, you could just see there are fewer head coaches out, mm. fewer staffs out. It, it's all because of the portal interesting just how the landscape is is changing right now and that includes the recruiting schedule as well one other note we wanted to mention Tommy Raffo has hired a new volunteer assistant for his team the baseball team hiring Henry Lartigue he was a first team all SEC catcher at Ole Miss spent six years in pro ball last year was actually a student assistant Back at his alma mater, went back to Ole Miss and was part of that national championship. Team. That's right. So he's won a natty every year of his coaching career. So I'd expect <laughs> him to try to keep that streak intact when he comes over here. We will have a full recap of Sunbelt Football Media Days when we come back here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, Wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Again, Sunbelt Media Day became Sunbelt Media Days for the first time ever last week when we made our annual trek down to New Orleans. Because of the four new teams in the league, they had to split it up. The seven Eastern Division teams were featured Tuesday of last week, and then last Wednesday it was the seven Western Division teams. Second year in a row, they held it at the Sheridan right there in downtown New Orleans. Great job, as always, to the folks at the Sun Belt. They do an amazing job. Travis, Sam, the whole crew over there just putting that event together. That is a big-time atmosphere. And our buddy John Brady actually came over at one point and said hello to us on Wednesday. Great to visit with him. And he was looking around and saying, man, the Sun Belt's 
gone big time. Yeah, took him into the into the big room, and number one, he worked it for a while because there's a bunch. Oh, of I'm people sure in everybody there in there knew. knew him. So he made the rounds, and actually, I introduced Coach Brady to Keith Gill, the commissioner, because what happened is Coach Brady was standing there. He and I were standing in the back of the room talking, and he was, and what he's saying at the time is, "Man, this commissioner did a heck of a job with the conference through all this realignment and stuff." What just so happened as he's saying that the commissioner came, kind of walking by within you know, six or eight feet. So I just grabbed him and he said, tell him, you know, and <laughs> introduced him. And he did, you know, coach Brady, you know, they talked about where they live in new Orleans, each of them, what part of town are they in? But, uh, you know, coach Brady did brag on Keith Gill to Keith Gill for the job he's done. And, and then the job his staff has done with some media days. It is, it's a big time event. Want to brag on our coverage on the Ticket Radio Network because we went seven straight hours each of those days, Tuesday and Wednesday. You and I started it off at 7 a.m., went until 10. We talked to every coach in the league during Mm -hmm. that time, had some great conversations. We'll get to those here in just a minute, but uh, our buddy J.C. Cox and then Kara Ritchie helping out after that, and Kara and I were able to talk to all the student athletes uh, that were there for Sunbelt Media Days during the afternoon. So that was really fun to just have that amount of time where we were able to have all those, those visits. But we mentioned the Eastern Division on Tuesday. One of the people we talked to, one of the very first people we talked to was Sean Clark, who's going into his... I guess third year at Appalachian State now as the head coach. He had his athletes, Chase Bryce and Stephen Jones there. But, you know, one of the conversations we had, they're the favorites in the East, a very, very competitive Eastern division, which may be the best in the entire group of five. And you and I talked about that a lot the other day. But what's amazing about Appalachian State, and we've always gone on and on about their student section, which is as good as anybody in the league, without a doubt, the best in our league. Oh, yeah. But they've already sold every ticket for their home opener against North Carolina, and their season ticket allotment is already sold out. Yeah, they set aside, I think, the way they work it. And I'm not sure why, but it's still the way they do it. They set aside 11,000, roughly, season tickets, and they sold out of them. Then they've sold out that North Carolina game. You know, and Coach Clark kind of told us, and maybe it was off the air, but he said there's basically there are two more home games that are sellouts they just haven't announced yet. So they've got it going on there, uh, on the field, off the field. It is a great environment. The student section, it's not just, I mean, how many of them show up, but it's part of it too is the real estate they're given access to because their student section gets about the lower third of one entire side of the stadium over there. Yeah, all the way across. Uh, yeah, all the way across in, in some pretty prime seating. And that's all students all the way across there. So it's quite the scene over there in Boone. They got it going. And, and really, I mean, you just you just tip your hat to them. It's, it's it, it, not just on the field, but the off the field part gives everybody else something to chase after. Coastal Carolina has had an amazing two-year run, and they won 11 games last year, won a bowl game for the very first time. You and I have really started to look forward every year to our visits with Jamie Chadwell. We have a tremendous amount of respect for him and just a really likable guy. And what's amazing to me from our conversation was the fact that people actually came up to him and talked about, oh, I'm sorry you had a disappointing season last year. (laughs) That's how high the expectations were. And how fast. And how fast? I mean, they went from five and seven to being a top ten ranked 
team in the nation in no time. And then last year, going 11-2 and two was, to some fans, I guess, a disappointment when it really was an amazing year. Yeah. Not not their their brightest fans. But I mean <laughs> that it, blew me away when you said I, that. It didn't me. I would I it not a bit. Well, I guess it shouldn't because there are fans in every fan base. You know, that will come up Arkansas and say something State like that. Dealt with that a little bit because you know, you'd oh. gone through and you had yeah. not won more than 6 and all of a sudden you go 10 and 10, right? I mean, 10 wins two times in a row. And all of a sudden, it's what you're automatically supposed to do every time. Yeah. No, not very many people do that every time. Grayson McCall was there, the two-time Sunbelt Player of the Year. Had a chance to visit with him. Josiah Stewart, the preseason Defensive Player of the Year in the league, also there from Coastal Carolina. But look, when you look at Coastal... What they returned last year was basically everybody from that team that that did so well in 2020. They had a great season last year, but they returned four offensive starters and just three defensive starters. So, yes, you've got guys like Grayson McCall and Josiah Stewart, but they've got a lot of new guys they're mixing in as well. Another guy that uh, we really like talking to is Sean Elliott, the head coach at Georgia State. He's a trip. Their team picked third in the Eastern Division, but they returned eight offensive starters, eight defensive starters, and they got four starters back on the strength of their team, which is the offensive line. And you remember last year, they were ninth nationally in rushing offense. And look, if you're looking for a a trendy pick in the Sun Belt, especially on that Eastern side, I think Georgia State has as good of a chance as anybody to win that side. Yeah, Sean Elliott, it's funny. Like, when he first started showing up at these deals, being, I didn't know how to take him the first <laughs> the first time. And then after that, it just – I don't know it, if I did either. You, you just, you know, you just start to see that he's a funny guy and uh, enjoyable to visit with, and you're right. You understand why App is picked. And, you know, then they got – the marshals in there and coastal and this and that, but a lot of people around this league and the people who've been around it look at Georgia State and say, you know, don't count these dudes out. We also got to talk to three of the new coaches coming into the league, three new teams coming in to that Eastern Division Charles Huff at Marshall, Kurt Signetti at James Madison, and Ricky Ronnie at Old Dominion. Really enjoyed getting to know those guys a little bit. And then one other coach that I know you and I were really looking forward to talking to was Clay Helton at Georgia Southern. And we we talked about a couple of really cool things, Uh, talked about his brief stint back in 2010 at Arkansas State when he was offensive coordinator for six weeks, ended up getting a job at USC. He left, and that's when Steve Roberts ended up hiring Hugh Freeze as offensive coordinator. And Our fans know the rest of the story there. But another thing that came up when we visited with Clay Helton was Ryan Applin, who's now on the staff there at Georgia Southern. Yeah, and uh, Coach Helton was with us before he was on the main stage. So he said this to us, and uh, then he actually said it again when they were on the main stage because he got asked about App up there too. But, you know, his word was, I'll bet money. He's the head coach at Arkansas State someday. Yeah, and it's it's one thing to say, hey, I've got an assistant, and he's going to be a head coach someday. But then 
to add to it the way he did, I think, is what got our attention when he said it to us. Yeah. He's going to be head coach at Arkansas State someday. And, and the thing about this, and I know it's it's easy to say and it's easier for people to hear and not believe, but Ryan Applin would tell you, he's from the state of Florida, you know, born and raised, but his dream is not to be the, the head coach of the Florida Gators or the Miami Hurricane or the Florida State Seminoles. His dream is to be the head coach of the Arkansas State Red Wolves. I mean, again, here's his boss right now, a guy who just brought him in on his staff saying he'd bet his own money that he has that job one of these days. Uh, and a head coach of another school in our league yeah. saying that makes it even more unique. And one of their student athletes that really impressed me, their quarterback, Kyle Van Trees. He's a Buffalo transfer, grad transfer. He's put up some really nice numbers over his career at Buffalo, but he, like many of the student athletes that we ended up talking to over the course of the two days, just extremely impressive. And, and when you bring in a guy like that, that that's already accomplished at another group of five school, I, I think Georgia Southern feels like they can have success right away in what's going to be a brand new offense for them. I, I can't remember their schedule, who they play first or whatever, but if I'm Georgia Southern, Clay Helton, I don't know who I'm playing. I don't care. My first offensive play from scrimmage, I'm taking a shot. We're throwing a bomb. Just to <laughs> say, this to is say, who we are now. This is what's going on. Our, our friend Danny Reed, their play-by-play guy, had said the same thing to us, but then Van Trees said it on the stage, too, is that you know one thing that's really been helpful for him is that his head coach, his OC, and Ryan Applin, too. They got, you know, they got three former quarterbacks coaching that side of the football and he Mm -hmm. said so having six quarterback eyes looking at what he's doing has been a big benefit to him as he transfers in day two of sunbelt media days came on wednesday when the western division teams were all represented and we got to talk very early in the morning with butch jones he was one of our very first guests coach jones along with james blackman and kevon bennett were there representing a state One of the first things we talked about was one of the new names that has been recently added to the roster in running back, Brian Snead. Brian was one of the top five running backs in the country, and and we recruited him when we were at Tennessee and then Alabama, and then a young man that we had signed at Alabama, they were teammates. Uh, He's out of Tampa, Florida, and... uh, you know, then went to Austin P. was a two-time All-American and bigger back, about 215, 218 pounds. Has done everything that we've asked of him and more, just work. You know, we always talk about you don't have one starting running back. You have a starting running back core. And uh, him and Johnny Lang have become best friends. They're roommates. So just like when you talked about Eddie Smith and Jordan Carmouche, you get the same now with those two, with okay. Brian and Johnny. So those two hang out together. Uh, all the time but again when you bring individuals like this it elevates your game so now you've got a transfer from austin p who started his career at ohio state in that a state backfield and another name that was kind of mentioned with coach jones was champ flemings now champ is 5'5 142 and one thing coach jones told us was he was playing on the outside at oregon state that's crazy but wants to play at the next level and his best chance is moving inside and that's what the Red Wolves plan to do with him. You see, but the, this guy had a, a really 
full career at Oregon State. By the way, also in the return game. I mean, I yeah. think you know that's that's the the main guy you probably see in that return game in the place of Alan Lamar. But I mean, he's out there at five five. You're giving up probably eight inches to a lot of Pac-12 corners and winning those battles and catching balls. That's that's uh, something to. I, I can't wait to see him in action. These guys have been added after A-State turned in the number one signing class in the Sunbelt Conference. And Coach Jones kind of talked about that with us. He said, really, it comes down to building that competitive depth. We made a commitment in the recruiting department. However, you know, those are a lot of freshmen. And when you look at our roster makeup right now, 70% of our scholarship players are in their first or second year. And so that's exciting because we're building and developing and growing a program. But you're going to need that depth. You're going to need some older players as well. And I think any time you can add a competitive component to your program, you want to do that. But I think the other thing that we've really tried to really focus in on, especially with the transfer portal, is the locker room is what type of leadership can they bring to the locker room on and off the field. And when you look at some individuals we brought in, whether it's Champ Flemings, whether it's Jordan Carmouche, whether it's Eddie Smith, those three individuals have changed our locker room from a competitive standpoint, from an expectation standpoint. Of course, we mentioned James Blackman was there. You know, I guess one thing that Coach Jones mentioned first off was just his body. He's added 12 pounds of muscle getting ready for this season. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he's i think it bumped him up to you know i think his he had a nice suit on i think his pants were like 26 44 <laughs> <laughs> but really good reviews when coach jones talked about his quarterback well i think they saw a little glimpse of that in the memphis game his oh, very yeah. live arm you know he's played in so many offensive systems so his football intelligence is there but, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, he comes from Florida State, was a two-year starter there, did some really good things. But this is the first year where he's actually been the starter, named the starter. And I think that's helped his growth and development from a leadership standpoint. And he told me that. This is the first time where I'm always competing, but I'm more competing against myself. And uh, so, again, his intangibles, his leadership, um, his stature, he's six foot four, six foot five, arm strength. So I'm excited. And then another thing that was a big question mark coming into the season, especially after kind of what happened last year with the inability at times to protect the quarterback, whether it was James Blackman or Lane Hatcher a year ago, just trying to see some improvement on the offensive line and what we heard from Coach Jones was encouraging. Yeah, I've been very encouraged by what I see. Um, you know, Ethan Miner has added the weight that he's needed to, has really stepped up. He's really the leader of the room. An individual that uh, we signed last year out of the JUCO ranks who had shoulder surgery, so he misses Makai Butler. Uh, he's an individual that plays guard for us, very powerful. Uh, had some great learning experiences this spring, especially the spring game. It's the first time he played in any type of game in a couple years. But he brings uh, some power to the guard position, some athleticism. And I'm encouraged by the freshmen. You know, will they be ready? Not sure yet. But, you know, if they're not ready game one, maybe game five, game six. Noah Smith is up to almost 315 pounds. Mm-hmm. Looks like a completely different individual. And then... In that same interview, Coach Jones kind of hinted mm-hmm. at one of the newer Red Wolves, 
And in fact, he was actually announced later that day. Yeah, Jordan Rhodes uh, is who he was talking about. And look, if Coach Jones was willing to say what he said, I mean, he knew that was you know a done deal. Was just waiting to to get everything done. You got to do to get a kid enrolled and accepted and all this and that. So Jordan Rhodes has played at South Carolina. I looked. He took his visits coming out of high school. I think to Mizzou, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. Signed with South Carolina, then went in the portal. Played a year last year at Ole Miss. Played in twelve games over there, and now he'll play. You know, one you hear is a grad transfer, and uh, Coach Jones. And I, I don't mind telling you because this when he and I were standing around in New Orleans talking. Uh, he understands that uh, on the outside looking in, uh, one of the big positions that people may be concerned about is the offensive line. And I would have put myself in that group. Yeah. That's not when he starts talking about the position groups, you know, he's most concerned about right now. He's not talking about the offensive line. He th- he likes the improvements they've made in that group. So it was good to visit with, with Coach Jones. And of course, we visited with the other coaches in the Western Division on Wednesday and and one of those guys is somebody we really like his second year at South Alabama now it's uh, Kane Womack and look they took Coastal Carolina to overtime in the final game of the season last year and lost and they were that close to being bowl eligible they finished five and seven but they got a lot of guys coming back and because of that there's a lot higher expectations. They're actually picked second in the Western Division. Yeah, and doing a little coach speak, a little poor mouthing as to whether or not he thinks he ought to be picked there. But the overall theme in the West was that everybody understands why the Cajuns are picked up there. They get it. But that with the improvements some of the other teams in the West are making, plus thinking that the Cajuns will probably come to the pack a little bit when you talk about the coaching turnover, the roster turnover, that even if they take a little bit step of, of of a step back to the pack, that you know this West could be you know, sort of wide open. And yeah, you know, we'll talk about Terry Bowden, but in a bit. But even right down to him. So a lot of the theme of the day in the East on Tuesday was that it's the best division in the Group of Five. The theme in the West was that a lot of people can feel like they got a shot in this thing. Yeah, and you mentioned the Cajuns, and I was really looking forward to visiting with Michael Decimo. I mean, you and I remember watching him, calling his games back when he was playing for the Cajuns. At the same time, Corey Leonard was at Arkansas State, and we actually got to talk the night before on Tuesday night uh, in the hotel lobby, and we visited for a long time just about those stories back then. Obviously, you you talked about Ryan Applin earlier, you know, having the dream of coming back to Arkansas State someday. Well, Michael Decimo's already living his dream he's back at his alma mater and coaching the cajuns where he was a coordinator last year he takes over for billy napier after he exited for florida so michael desimo is inheriting a team that went 13 and 1 a season ago but look they lose four starters on the offensive line which really i mean has been their strength Mm -hmm. for a while now and they lost one of the better quarterbacks in the league in levi lewis they missed those people, but at the same time, the thing that kind of favors the Cajuns this year is their schedule. They have a very favorable schedule when you look at them versus the rest of the league. Yeah, and Coach Dez, all he took over was, you know, he inherited the longest win streak in the country. It, well, okay, I don't know that he inherited it, but they have it now, the way after things shook out, how they shook out with the playoff. Going into the year, longest win streak in the country belongs to the Cajuns. Now, he talked about how much pressure he felt about winning that bowl game. 
I almost feel like I, I feel a little bad for the guy from the standpoint that, as you mentioned, like he went straight from coaching high school football to getting on the staff down in Lafayette and has worked his way up from there all the way through the coaching ranks without ever leaving from you'll come in and then get a position group, then be an OC. And now he's the head coach at his alma mater. It's the only place he's ever worked in college football. I mean, like, where do you go from there for a guy as young as yep. that? I mean, it, it's got to be a little nerve wracking if you sit back and think about it in those terms for him. Somebody we got to visit with for the very first time last Wednesday was the new head coach at Troy, John Sumrall, who came in after being a coordinator at Kentucky. But before he was at Kentucky, he was on Neil Brown's staff for those very successful teams at Troy. So he's going back to Troy. You could tell he's very passionate about returning there. Really impressed just, uh, you know, in our 15 minutes with him. But when you kind of talk to people around around the room the other day. We talked about Georgia State maybe being a trendy pick in the East. I think you could probably say the same with Troy in the West. They've already got a lot of pieces in place, and now they bring in Coach Sumrall, and you can tell that uh, there's a good energy around that program. So he came from Kentucky after leaving Troy the last time. And, and you know, look, when he gets this job, they're going to go to Mark Stoops, the head coach of Kentucky, and he's going to give them a great quote to put out when he gets hired sure but i saw mark stoops i saw a video of him at sec media days and he's still kind of bemoaning <laughs> what a big loss coach summerall was and i was like i mean that i mean he was still talking about that how, says a lot that how that what a big loss it was for their staff and so yeah that, there's a reason for them to be excited about the hire they made down in troy we were kind of joking going into our interview with jake spavadaw and we always enjoy visiting with the texas state head coach Jake Spavadol is a fun guy to visit with, but yeah. with everything that, that has happened with Texas State and losing not only Lane Hatcher and Lincoln Perry through the transfer portal, but Chancellor Danfus as well, the new president at Texas State. Yeah. There was a lot of talk there. Coach Spavadol took it all really well, but at the same time, just talking with him and with the student athletes that we were able to visit with from Texas State – one thing sounded very familiar, and that is the work ethic of Lane Hatcher is on full display already down there, and you can tell that uh, he's already earned the respect of that entire team. And we spent so much time at Coach Spavadol talking about Dr. Danfuss and Lane Hatcher and Lincoln Perry that we never even got to the fact that Lincoln Perry is coached by R.J. Fleming. He's the running back coach at Texas State. That's right. Another A-State guy down there. Way too many Red Wolves making their way to San Marcos <laughs> these days. Southern Miss was at their first Sunbelt Media Day and got to visit with their head coach, Will Hall. One thing we talked about him was just the regional rivalry that could be created here between A-State and Southern Miss. And one thing we kind of reminisced about was just those three games in four years that were good ball games between A-State and Southern Miss. And look, we, we played them in the New Orleans Bowl in 05 and 07. We, we lost by one score down in Hattiesburg. And then you and I have talked about many times just the electric atmosphere in the 2008 game here in Jonesboro when both teams were 2-0. and you know, A-State was coming off the A&M win in, in week one, had the 83-10 to victory over Texas Southern the next week, and then a game that went down to the wire that Southern Miss ended up winning by three. But I just I still think about that environment 
and just how fantastic it was. And I think part of that aspect was the fact that it was a regional rivalry. And for whatever reason, these two teams haven't played in 14 years. And now we get a chance to, to play all the time. The overall theme, in, you know, even looking at some of the national coverage of Sunbelt Media Day, and Chris Vanini, who does a fabulous job at The Athletic, covering Group of Five, talked about is that in this day and age, when conferences are trying to spread their footprint to, to get whole and look at what the Big Ten did, so going all the way out to the West Coast, the Sunbelt went the opposite direction went regional and is being viewed as you know, one of the winners of this last round of conference realignment by going divisional in football and giving fans at a lot of places. And it's not so much the case for Arkansas State. And it's certainly not the case for Texas State because there are always going to be some geographic outliers. But across most of the rest of that league, fans have a, a lot of road games they can hop in their car and drive to. The shortest trip that A-State has in the league at this point, is ULM. And, of course, that's a a four-and-a-half-hour drive if you make that trip. Fortunately, the Warhawks are coming here this season. But one thing I know you and I were anxious to talk with Terry Bowden about was Jeff Purinton. And we got to know from Jeff Purinton when he sat down on this very podcast about his relationship with Terry Bowden's dad, the great Bobby Bowden and that relationship was formed when Jeff Purinton was just a GA, a graduate assistant at Florida State, and they became golfing buddies back yep. then. Somebody Bobby Bowden would call to golf with, and it's one of the first things we talked with Coach Terry Bowden about. Y'all got a great one there. I, I love Jeff, and I, I bugged him many times when he was down working for my dad, and I needed somebody to do something for me at Florida State, and I wasn't really on the staff at Florida State. I could always know Jeff could get it done. So you got a guy that can get stuff done. That's what's great. And a good man. Well, Jeff was – well, I mean, that's that's a little bit about his personality and, and enjoyable to be around, you know. If you're going to play golf, my dad, you better be enjoyable to be around. But I was thinking more in regard to Jeff at an early age. Dad always recognized those he, he could turn something over to or give a responsibility to, and they would get it done. Mm-hmm. I often ask my dad why Chuck Amata got all the duties at Florida State. He says, because when I gave you something to do, he did it. Uh, if I gave you something to do and you didn't do it, you didn't get any more things. I think I think playing golf, Jeff could play golf with him, but it's it's also, you know, be with him. My dad, it was, it was important. The guy that could play golf with my dad was important because I didn't like playing golf. Tommy didn't like playing golf. Jeff didn't like playing golf. Somebody's got to play golf with the old man. And if, if, <laughs> What's Jeff, what if somebody's got to do it, it might as well be me, huh, Jeff? Of course, Terry Bowden always fun to talk to. He's one of those guys, if he's doing an interview, you can hear him on the other side of the room. Yep. Very loud and clear. But he kind of joked well, about... unless you don't know uh, he's doing an interview, and then you think, who's talking to Bobby Bowden over there? <laughs> That's very true. He sounds a lot like his father. But he joked about the transfer portal, and we got a good laugh with him about this. And I think it's kind of half-joking the way he said it, but the transfer portal kind of has him looking for a different kind of recruit right now. You know, I'm almost with the portal transfers and the way the Power Fives are grabbing our players. I don't think I want a 6'4 quarterback. I want a guy that's about 6'1 that can run and throw, maybe 5'11", so we don't lose him. Because if you lose us, you have a 6'4 guy that can run and throw, he's, yeah. he's gone the next year. 
I'm interested in that guy that will stay with me. And I think I've got a great, talented quarterback that aren't too tall because they're just going to go to the. They're just going to go power five. And I hope I'm not giving Chandler any bad feelings. I'm just saying this. The, you know, there's certain things power five coaches their ego won't let them do. They just won't let it. They just want. There's certain things they won't do. You know, if you got a six-five left tackle or a six-five defensive end or a six-one corner, they're going to steal them from you. You know it's going to happen. But just get a little, get a little shorter guy, and they won't take him. <laughs> <laughs> there's no coach. There's no recruiting yeah. tips. Coach Biden brings the guy in. I don't know if anybody agrees with that. Yes, yeah, so, uh, son. I see you run a four-four. We're not going to be able to sign you. Yeah, we're we're way looking at four-five for us. I need a very good field guy that's about a four-six-five. <laughs> If you can get that thing up to four six five, I'll take you. But if you're four four, you'll be at LSU next year. I don't want that. It's, I hope nobody's listening to this radio. Oh, no, this this is good stuff, coach. Oh. It's, but you know what? It's true. We're learning how to deal with portal transfers, and it's a different world. Because I've been a oh, head yeah. coach since '83. A lot of things have changed, and I really believe that you take that six five tall guy and you develop him. All we're doing is developing for a power five school. Yep. And, and you got to sit there and say, okay, let's rethink everything just a little bit to make sure we're building for four or five years down the road and not just sending our players somewhere else. You, you said he's joking when on the, the stuff we just heard, but you go, many a truth is said in jest. Look, you don't have to look far. Arkansas State dealing with the same thing from a basketball standpoint is that coaches at, at, at Sunbelt schools, as, at the rate things are going, are having to decide, hey, do I want to still do what I've been doing? Go find these high school guys and run the risk that I'm going to uncover kind of a diamond in the rough and just develop it for somebody else? Or or am I going to go you know, start my recruiting in the transfer portal? In theory, the advantage – is advantages of recruiting in the portal is number one you're going to get a guy that's older and number two if you get him out of the portal that means they've already been in the portal they can't go back at the moment you True. think stuff's wild now get ready because i i got a real sneaky suspicion unlimited transfers are right around the bend so it was fun visiting with all the head coaches from across the league but we also had a chance to sit down with sunbelt conference commissioner keith gill and you mentioned earlier just the great job he's done, especially handling all the conference realignment stuff. And you mentioned his conversation with Coach Brady while we were in New Orleans. But he also, last week, it was announced, signed an extension through the year 2030. And one of the first things he talked about when we got there the other day during his State of the Conference address was – a new deal has been announced with ESPN, and he kind of told us a little bit more about that. One, ESPN is a great partner. So um, so I, I think that it, it was easy in the sense of, you know, once we kind of got it all solidified, just reaching out to them and just saying, hey, can we have some conversations about just some support and some things that we kind of need? And they were totally open to that, both on the financial side and on the linear side, you know, trying to create some more linear opportunities and some digital space as well. So they were great. They've been great partnership. We've had a great partnership with them. And, you know, we're talking a little bit about realignment and how the opportunities in COVID helped us. Well, a lot of those opportunities are because of ESPN. I mean, that's a lot of our visibility, a lot of our exposure. They're a great partner for us. And um, and so they've been, they've been great every step of the way. Another thing that Commissioner Gill talked about was i know one thing that we knew had to happen especially with the conference going up to 14 teams we had to find a way to get into more bowl games and 
even though we don't know all the details of it, there's at least one bowl game that will be added this year and maybe even more very soon. Yeah, I'm really excited about that, and um, I wish we'd gotten it done so we could announce it here. You know, we've got a few things that we've got to button up, but hopefully that'll get done in the next few weeks. And, um, and then we got to work on a seventh. I mean, that's the one thing in this job. You, know, you never finish, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, you know, with 14 teams, we want to have a place for 50% of our teams, right, minimally. So once we get six, then we've got to start working on seven. So, again, I pressing you for information that can't get out there yet but just from a logistics standpoint you know, t- talk us through sort of how that works in terms of the adventure it used to be there were five and you knew just exactly what five it was mm-hmm. and then it kind of became well there's, there's sort of this pool and it's going to be five of these so when you're going now to six is it is it both that there's a new game in the mix and a guaranteed sixth spot for a Sunbelt team? or kind of What's that look like when you say there's a sixth bowl game? Yeah, that's great. So it'll probably be, it will be a specific bowl, kind of like the five, that will take us to six, but we'll still be in that pool where that, we may not send teams to that bowl, we might send them to another one in a year, if that makes sense. So, so there's both a new game and a new spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but those things are synonymous. Yeah, you know, they wouldn't be plus two; it's still plus one. But a new game and a new spot, because in theory, outside of um, maybe New Orleans and Lending Tree, you know, we can move in and out of you know, kind of all of those other bowls that we have. And I think this would be another one that we could we'll be able to move in and out of. But that'll be our primary relationship. Because what's happened. Is follow up what the commissioner is talking about there is that used to be even when when the league got to five for a long time you knew exactly what the five were now there might get to be some trading but it's still you knew the five games the sunbelt were tied to and it's a little bit of a different situation now there, the sunbelt still has a guaranteed five spots and as he said, one of them's pretty much always going to be New Orleans, and another one's very likely going to be Mobile. But past that, there's kind of a pool of games yeah. that Sunbelt teams can land in. So what he's saying is that there's about to be a new game in that pool and a new guaranteed spot. So the Sunbelt's at six, but he said immediately the, the goal now is to get to seven. So again, just a, a great time those couple of days down there in New Orleans at Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Enjoyed all of our conversations and look truth be told it's a chance to see our buddies too we get to see all of our friends from around the league and everybody can be in the same room and go out and hang out and that's exactly what we were able to do yeah it is it's a fun time to see uh your counterparts and you know before uh kind of the calm before the storm and now it's football season it is football season, and we're going to take another time out. Be back to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. As we wrap things up, do want to touch on one other football note. We really didn't get into this earlier when we were talking about all the things that happened with Sunbelt Media Days but you know the preseason polls come out and as usual you know so much of that is based on what happened last year 
A-State picked sixth in the seven-team Western Division. But after having zero preseason all-conference picks a year ago, the Red Wolves have three this season. Kevon Bennett, first-team preseason all-conference at linebacker. Of course, we talked a lot with Kevon and have talked a lot during the offseason about his move from defensive end to linebacker. Johnny Lang is back. Of course, you remember he's a former Iowa State transfer, played running back last year. He was uh, the primary punt returner. He was a preseason first-team return specialist. And then Tavalence Hunt, who's back for his second year at uh, wideout, the former TCU transfer, a preseason second-team selection. Preseason polls are basically garbage. Uh, They're just made in talking season. And at the conference level, that's okay. What happens, the problem is at the national level, they set the scene and people kind of keep going by it. This new era of football here, with the as quickly as rosters can turn and the transfer portal and all this and that, now more than ever, and I really hadn't even thought about it, so I was sitting here listening to you talk, I more than ever believe that the national top 25 polls, the AP and the coaches poll, should not come out until probably the first week of October because now I'm with you on because that. rosters because you I mean I know at the tip top you get it okay you know those top handful but you start anything from probably six seven eight down to 25 you don't know who's got what who's going to step up I mean rosters are drastically different from one, from one year to the next and especially in terms you know the group of five you know where you start in those polls determine kind of how far you got to go yeah. you know, over the course of the season to get somewhere so I, I just think i mean they should go first four weeks of the season and not even have them they don't start they don't start the college football playoff rankings that soon yeah so why would i mean why should and not thankfully soon? that is the case with the cfp which are really the only rankings that matter yep but you're right because a lot of people form their opinions before the ball is ever snapped. But yes, you're you're right. Was that your rant? You know it wasn't, but now it is. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was I was wondering as you were saying that, okay, did you yeah, just go straight into it? No, but it, it works. And so I'll just let it stand as that is that I, I, I believe that uh, uh, there shouldn't be AP and coaches preseason polls. In fact they should not start putting out rankings until everybody's played about four games. All right. It's been a fun episode. Looking back on Sunbelt Conference Media Days, of course, practices here. We'll talk about the first week of A-State football practice and much more next week on our next edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.